Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. Thank you for joining us today, spending some time with me. I appreciate it. And on this episode, I'm joined by Von Graffin. He's been an assistant or head coach at the high school level for decades. His coaching credentials go on forever. He won a state championship as an assistant for Toledo McComer back when they had NBA player Jim Jackson. He's the all-time winningest head coach for Bowling Green High School. He's coached many players that have gone on to play at the college level as well as the pro level. And he is a coach them hard, love them hard kind of guy. And as we get into this episode, he offers great advice for what coaches can do especially if they're just getting into the coaching game or if they're finding some difficulty continuing to strengthen their program. And he also talks about the importance of developing positive relationships with his players. All right, let's get to the show. Excited to welcome Coach Von Grafeen for the Coach's Edge podcast. And Coach, we've, we've known each other since, and I've made my way down to Bowling Green, Ohio, and uh, you have a ton of awesome coaching experiences. So thanks for joining the show. I appreciate you asking me. Coach, how did you get into coaching and who would you say made a positive impact on you as a young coach? Uh, Numerous people, actually. Um, First of all, my father coached uh, our Little League baseball, our our, uh, grade school football, and basketball was not run the way it is now, but uh, boy, I can remember a lot of nights where my dad took us to the church, uh, myself, my friends, my teammates, and he had us doing all kinds of ball handling drills and those kind of things at a very young age that kind of inspired me to, uh, to do the same. So my dad was a big influence early on. Uh, my high school coach, Tom Bodiger, uh, at Port Clinton High School, was a huge influence. I watched how he treated his wife, uh, how players looked up to him, and 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 uh, all kind of would be like Coach Bodiger and, and uh, inspired me to want to be a, a, a teacher and coach because of him. And and then uh, when I first got started in coaching, Bart Schroeder at Macumber, uh, who admittedly is not a great X and O basketball guy, but boy, did he know kids and he could drive inner city kids and uh, there was a state champ coach of the Macumber uh, Magman back in 1989, and I, and I learned under him uh, uh, quite a bit uh, from, from uh, that standpoint of what motivates young men and from different situations and, and uh, how they can work together on a common goal. And Bart was, uh, was a quarterback at DeVilmas High School and, and, and in the Air Force, and uh, it kind of carried over into his coaching, and, and I learned a lot. So those three guys, my dad, my own high school coach, and uh, – uh, the first guy I coached with at, at the high school level. It's awesome to hear, you know, every coach that I get the chance to speak with, and they all have their own story of how they got into into coaching. Everyone is unique, and it never gets old listening to how somebody got into uh, the game of basketball and coaching in particular. And you've, I mean, you've, you've been a high school uh, head coach, an assistant coach for decades. You want to a state title as an assistant coach back when you know Jim Jackson was was playing longtime NBA player and you've produced and helped produce many players that have gone on to play basketball at the next level. From being in the Northwest Ohio area for just the four years that I was, everything that I heard about you came back to you're a players coach. Like you help develop players. 
why was it so important to do that? And how did that become part of your philosophy as a coach? I think the, the ability to watch my own parents uh, go and punch a clock every day, every day, every day, sick, tired, seven kids at home, whatever it was, it, the, the relentlessness of, of every day working at it. it. When Vito Brown is home in Ohio, uh, in the off season in Wisconsin, and now he's going to France, the amount of time he put in his gym, his father would come here all hours of the day, but those guys that punch a clock every day and work at it, you, you don't become good players overnight. Um, you know, a lot of kids are given gifts of size or physical ability uh, that are, that are kind of God given, but who puts in the time and who works on their shot and who gets shots up. And, and I'm a big fan of game shots at game spots at game speed. I hear oftentimes kids uh, come and say, I, I was at the park four hours a day. I got to run. Well, you know, we can't do anything for four hours very well. I'd rather see a kid go do something for 45 minutes to an hour every day than, than a kid that says he put in four hours at the park. He got a lot less out of it. So my relentlessness about getting better, giving kids my time, as I look back at my career and now as I'm kind of winding down and, and become an assistant coach again, and I stay at my niece's birthday party a little longer, or I stay at Graffin reunion where years ago, I would leave those same functions. My own children's birthdays, my wife's birthday, which is March 1. I always hope I was always playing on March 1, you know, <laughs> it's still, it's still in the tournament. Um, but to give those things up for somebody else's kid, and, but I always celebrated somebody else's kid having success. I've got a list on the wall over there. I've been involved in other 30, over 30 kids going on and playing, you know, either collegiately, it may have been basketball, may have been football, may have been baseball in college, but they learned some things from me. And then I've had numerous pros, lucky enough to have Vito's in France now, like you mentioned, Jimmy doing 14 years in the NBA, Myron Bell doing nine years in the NFL. You know, that, that same kind of mindset that keeps those guys going and plugging away, the relentlessness of, of not only getting those kids to do it every day, but me and the willingness that I had to give those kids time to do that every day. I think that was huge. No, that's a, that's a great point. You talked about the, the relentlessness as a coach, and that's the combination of what all those successful players have in common is they're relentless in their work ethic as well right and if we want to be good at anything that we're doing you have to have that relentless mentality of you know whatever i did yesterday what am i going to get after it again on a consistent enough basis right you talked about the kid going to the park and playing for four hours and one if they're going for four hours and just messing around they probably got worse and they did better but a lot of players may say oh, i went to the park for four hours so now i'm good whereas your high level players saying i went and worked out today and i'm going to do it tomorrow and I did it yesterday, and I'm going to continue that relentlessly so I can get better. And that takes a sacrifice on their time, and you're modeling that by sacrificing your own time as well. And I think your players learn from that, and they can apply that to whatever they're doing in life. With being a player's coach, a big part of that is building the relationships. And I was thinking back to when I was a young player, 
it was an expectation of, I might not agree with what my coach says, but you do what you're told. You, you work hard. Somebody says run through a wall, you do it. And I think there's a lot of great characteristics that can be, can be brought in that. And, and you definitely learn to, to listen. But I never had an expectation as a player growing up that having a, a deeper relationship was, was part of the deal as far as a, a player and a coach, which is why I say you're ahead of the game when it comes to putting a focus on developing the relationship aspect with your players when, you know, I think just now that's starting to really be a common focus point for other coaches. So how has that been such an important part of your coaching philosophy? Well, I think you've got to build relationships with kids so that they trust you. If they don't know you very well, um, that help, that those things uh, – it certainly helped. Uh, a couple of things we did at Wisconsin. We used to go to Wisconsin Dells every year. We go to Wisconsin's team camp, and then we go to Wisconsin Dells. We we take the entire team and all the parents. Most all parents went along on the trip, and they got to know me. I didn't teach in Bowling Green, but I'm coaching their sons in Bowling Green, and it helped us to go and and uh, let our hair down a little bit with each other, and and uh, get to know each other and build those relationships. And now, after all these years of coaching, what's really neat is when a young man buys a house or has a, a child or gets married and I get invited, it, it kind of tells you how important you were in their life. You don't even realize it. We went back to a, uh, a reunion a few years ago, a couple years ago, a Macomb reunion, and my wife, who made those guys cookies on game night, it was amazing how they treated her, the, the memories they had of her making cookies on game night. Uh, is those are relationship things you don't realize that you're building. Um, have my house open, my gym here open for them uh, whenever they needed it. It kind of, a school building is kind of a cold place for all of us going to school there and learning. And the gym's a part of that school. So um, it, it's hard to really break down those relationships and, and build relationships in there. You need to take them out to dinner and, and uh, bring them to your house and, and those, those kind of things to help build those relationships. I think it's important to put that time in. You've definitely done that, and I think it goes to show with the relationship aspect and you're modeling it, like you talked about before, of being relentless with your work ethic and sacrificing your own time. And I think as a player, when you look back and say, man, coach, this is a Saturday morning and it's a voluntary workout, but he opened the gym up for me or came over to your house to get some shots up. You know, that sacrifice of time, you know, builds that equity in having a strong relationship with, with your coach. You've, you've done that. As you have continued on your coaching journey, you're a big advocate and support for younger coaches. So, how is it important to continue to develop and support new coaches that get into this journey, which could be, you know, if you continue to do it and love what you do, it lasts for decades. Yes, and, and I make sure that those guys know that I enjoy it because no matter what you know, if you know something intimately, whether it's marriage, a job, coaching, you know both the good and the bad in it. You can't let the bad overwhelm you. Um, I never let parents overwhelm me because oftentimes the parents felt a whole lot different about you than the son did. And the son's the one who pays for you. And the, the more often a parent can get a kid to come see the coach, you know, to see the coach about the situation they may or not be happy in, 
then that kid grows. If mom and dad are always going to bat for them, they're gonna struggle right away out of, out of the high school, out of the gate, whether you're going to college or a job. If you can talk to your coach, you can talk to your boss. If you can talk to a coach, you can talk to your professor. If you can talk to your coach, you can talk to an advisor in college. And th those things are, are, are life building skills. Um, young coaches can't be discouraged and they gotta find spouses, and I think this is huge, that are gonna allow them to coach and put time in. Um, I've got, I've married, I've been married 38 years. I married so well on a woman who, who has her own career, has her own job, and, and uh, has come to my ball games as, as support to me and understood the time that I was willing to give. And, and, and we've gotten back tenfold. Uh, I mean, this is amazing we get back from, because teachers aren't getting invited to weddings. Um, you know, they're, they're just not, but coaches make an impact on guys. When a kid's in your program, at, like, for example, Bowling Green or now Cardinal Stritch, you're gonna have that kid for four years at Stritch and at Bowling Green, you're gonna have more than that even. And, and you build a long relationship with that kid. When you travel with that kid, go to Indianapolis North Central for tournaments or Dayton, Ohio for tournaments or, or go up to and play Detroit Country Day and go to a tournament up there and you spend time with that kid, not just the game or the event, but, but eating in a restaurant with that kid. Those are all things that you don't think about, but your wife has to either come along and, and be a part of it. And then back to the young coach thing, I, I, had, a, I had a great assistant came to me in tears and said, she won't marry a coach and I'm out of coaching. And man, has he ever regretted that? And he married her, but it's, it's something that's there. You know, and, and that was, it was a passion of his and, and disappointed that that happened. Um, so I think the spouse is really important. Um, also, people get so worried about administrators not backing you and, and parents not backing you. Here's my advice to a young coach. You do your best with those young men. You do those young men the best you can, because if somebody wants to get you, they're gonna get you anyway. So why not do it your way, the way you wanna do it, and I think I do it right, do kids the right way. I'm not gonna, the kid with a DNF effort isn't gonna make it in my program. The kid who doesn't, isn't punctual or relentless like I am, isn't gonna make it. But their parents will be vocal. I've never had a great kid's parent tell me he's great. But I've had a lot of mediocre kids have parents that told me they're great. I've never had a, a, a good player's parent have to go on his behalf and tell me how good he was. But, the, but that average kid or below average kid, that parent just beats their drum. And they shouldn't. And, and parents are emotional about their kids and, and irrational. And, the, and the young coaches need to understand that. You know, and, and uh, basketball is funny. You don't have a helmet on. You're not 40 yards away from the bleachers. You know, if, if you make a play along the sideline, you might end up on a parent's lap. You might end up on a cheerleader's lap. You might end up on a fan's lap. We're that close to the game. So things that are said and done in the stands sometimes get to us and, and we hear them and you got to be able to fight through that and, and understand from the kid's standpoint what he's going through at home too. And, and uh, you, you, I just hope young coaches can, can stay at it because I don't see uh, when jobs are open now at the high school level, you'd see 60, 100 job applications 30 years ago where a family was willing to up and move to a new community to be a coach. And now, boy, schools can't be rid of coaches if they don't know who they're gonna hire or who's gonna apply. 
Um, it's just you're not getting quality applicants. You're not getting numbers of applicants. You better want to know what you're going to be getting. So young coaches got to stick it out. Enjoy the little things, but but uh, don't let the little things bother you. Don't let the ankle biters bother you. You know, embrace the kids. Do the kids right, and and things will work out for you. I that's. Great advice from the support system to hang in tough with administration, with parents, with players, um, because it's not all, hey, I got this new coaching job and everything is shiny and sunshine and rainbows. It's going to get tough. And which, which brings me in my next question is whether you're a brand new coach or a coach who's been in it for years, what's your best advice to that coach when things start to get difficult? And difficult could mean anything you're not going to reinvent the wheel it's basketball you know um do these kids right win lose or draw in my last couple years at port clinton i went over to port clinton the the program had really slipped and i went over there and just tried to get kids in the gym and, and do the things that i wanted to do and i was unable to do it um and and i took the losses harder than they did and i didn't have parents mad at me because their kids hadn't committed time my gym was open i had four coaches in there we just did what we did. We were classy about it, and it didn't didn't happen. And and uh, when when things aren't going your way, uh, you know you got to keep plugging away. You got to keep watching film. You got to keep working at it, and and give the kids your best shot. And and I gave my best shot for five years at Port Clinton. Good thing couldn't get things turned around. And and uh, it was time to let somebody else give it a try. But whether you, it's a tough loss or whether it's uh, I think the biggest thing is. You know, you're trying to support young men and, and using basketball as a medium to, to, to run, to, to, to help these kids learn a lot of life skills. It's really what basketball is. Because even for the greatest player I ever been around was Jim Jackson. Basketball ended for him. And now, kids that never see him play, they know him as a, a TV commentator and a darn good one. You know, he had life after basketball. But he had, his mom and dad were fantastic people in raising him and having expectations and standards in the Jackson house. Not only what his coaches were saying, but they backed coaches. And, and you, you got to do things right by kids. And, and to, I guess telling the young coach, coaches to, to, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep plugging away. If you're watching film, if you're preparing for games, no matter win, lose, or draw, you owe those kids that much and to give your best effort. If you could only give two, maybe three pieces of advice to a coach who just got that varsity girls position or varsity boys position. What would those, you know, you can't give them 10 pieces of advice. It's just got to be two or three. What would those pieces of advice be? First of all, I think you got to hire a real loyal staff. You're, you got to have a loyal staff around you. You don't want a whole bunch of yes guys. You want guys that might have different points of view. But those points of view have got to be given to you behind closed doors in your office, not to the community, not to the players behind your back. But he can differ with you or have a different angle or a different approach. And you want to hire different guys. I want to hire guys who can handle posts, guys who can handle guard uh, perimeter guys or guys that can handle they've done things in attacking gimmick defenses or you, you need all these different things 
and specialties. I've had, a, I've had a coaching clinic by living in Bowling Green since the early 80s. I've watched John Weiner. I've watched Jim Laranega. I've watched Louis Orr. I've watched Dan Dockett. I've watched Chris Jans. And now Michael Huger. There's six guys I've got to go and watch do their practices. What I've learned from them has been amazing. The different ways they do things and the, and the way they've uh, hired staff and, and uh, how they conduct practice, um, how they relate to their kids. And, and uh, so the, go, and, go and learn a lot as much as you can go to clinics. I'm 59 years old. I'm going to watch Steve Kramer this afternoon work a young lady out, and I'm trying to pick things up from Steve Kramer. I, I watched Travis Galloway last weekend here, the Notre Dame head girls coach, and I'm trying to pick up what he does. I'm going to watch Tim Fralick on Sunday out here and watch what he does with footwork. So I don't care how old you are or young you are. Okay, you've landed that, that job now. Doesn't mean you stop learning. You need to learn. You, you want your kids to learn. You want to find new approaches. You want to find new ways to teach kids. I've gotten so old that when I reference Wes Unsell's outlet pass, nobody knows what I'm talking about. I've got to find out who the guys are now, the young players that the kids can relate to. Um, so... Jokic, it's Jokic, right? Jokic, yeah, outlet pass now. Wes Unsell was rookie of the year and the MVP in the same year, and, and that doesn't happen very often. And we we, we got to do those kind of things, and 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 you know, or now, guys that are great with technology, a good a good young assistant that can do things with from the camera, from the video, from the huddle to to trading tape to to acquiring tape to videotaping kids and working on their shot. There's so many things out there technology-wise that guys my age, and I'm only 59, but it's just so new to these people. So get a good support staff, do what you're gonna do and do it well, and, and don't try to reinvent the wheel. It's basketball. Continuing to, to learn, the staff piece is so big. I mean, you could, you could hire a staff, and the most important thing was, I, I think the part that you started with was, do they have different viewpoints, but you're still tight-knit? Right, yes. so you, you trust each other that w what you're talking about in the locker room isn't going to be in the paper or set out all the parents. You're you have a tight knit group, but different points of view is welcome, right? Yeah. Amen. And I love that because as a even as a player development guy, you know when when I see another person who's in player development and they're respected for what they do. I want to have that mindset of, listen, I might not do it like you do it, but it doesn't mean the way you do it is wrong and the way I do it is the, is the only way. If we can respect different views and, and try to fit what we do instead of just copy somebody else or go along with everybody else, that's going to make us a much, much better coach. Someone is always going to be upset at you, <laughs> no matter what, whether you're coaching your players parents, administration. And so one of the biggest pieces of advice that I try to give to people is if you're trying to please everybody, you're not going to please anybody. You have to stay true to what you're doing and you have to accept the fact that you may give everything that you've got and it's still not going to be enough for somebody. And that's, that's okay. <laughs> The concern I have right now of developing high school kids to get better is this. I was an assistant at Cardinal Stritch last year and I had the JV. Every one of our freshmen that played for me last year is still at Cardinal Stritch. They haven't left. 
whereas other schools in the area have lost kids or transferred or transferred or transferred or transferred. I talked to Dennis Hobson last night. He played for a fantastic high school coach and a guy named Dick Kroll. He wasn't always pleased with Dick, but he didn't leave. He didn't leave. Last year at NCAA, not this 1920, but 1819 season, 31% of players left where they were at. Instead of working hard, getting better, these guys recruited you and wanted you, you gotta find a way to play, son, or we can leave. And then you're not happy there, then you leave. Then you get married and you're not happy. And you've learned how to not work at it, and now all of a sudden you're not married. You know, I don't think that people get it. And, and, and I'm real proud of the fact that I kept all our guys at Stritch to come back another year. And they've improved, they're better. You know, and, and, and the kids that bounce so quick anymore when somebody has a standard or expectation of them and, and the poutiness that I see. I go watch high school games and a coach says this or that and, and you, man, you, you call me out in front of, no, I'm coaching you. And, and, uh, and there are kids that understand it early. I try to coach my uh, best player harder than the rest. I, my own son afforded me that opportunity. I took the job here at Bowling Green. He was my hardest worker here and Eric, he Eric rated ball, bar none, and I could push him to no end. There wasn't a player that said, you're easier on your kid. Not a single, and my son responded by backing it up. Jim Jackson had standards that we couldn't even have as coaches. And last year in September, I went down and watched Miami, Florida practice with Jim Laranaga. Jim afforded me the opportunity to go watch a practice. Again, I'm learning. He had an all-league guard, the best player in the dang league, coming back his junior year, little point guard. And it was one of the first practices they had as a group. And Jim read this kid to riot act in front of every freshman in the building. And I did it. he did it by design. Those 19-year-old kids didn't know that. But he chewed his best player out like you can't believe on a mistake. He, it ended up leading to a turnover. And Jim was up and down that kid. And the kid took it. But Jim knew what he was doing by coaching his best player harder. That kid took it. And the other guy said, if he can say that to him, I'm going to be coached hard too. There's so much power in that from understanding and having that view as a player. When things get difficult, when I don't like the situation, can I instead look at this as a learning growth experience? Where this, this challenge and maybe I'm, you're butting heads or you, know, you think the coach is picking on you. And even if that's the case, can you switch your mindset and say, you know what, this is a challenge for me to continue to improve and get through instead of giving up, right? So you can keep pushing or you can give up. Only one is going to really make you, make you better. That's a great, that's a great piece. Um, Coach, I want to thank you for giving me some of your time today, and we're about to work out some, some players here th this afternoon. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of your camps and some of the player development things that you've been operating in Northwest Ohio. Uh, I've run a camp here at the house. Um, it would have been the 20th year this past summer when the pandemic hit. I did 19 years. That's two decades of anything is, is pretty good longevity. Um, a lot of kids have come through here. I capped my camps at 20 kids. 
my kindergarten to third graders, I cap it at 15. I want those kids to get some individual work. Um, my facility's only 50 by 40, it's a half court. But um, by getting 20 kids in here and just giving them some, some offense with the ball, offense without the ball, some skill set, proper shooting form. A lot of kids don't have proper shooting form. And I've seen so often where a high school coach gets a kid and he makes enough shots that it's hard to correct him. The George Gervin, I call it. George learned how to play against, and here's my reference to old guys again, you know, where he slung that ball because he played against old men. When he was 15, he was playing against guys 40 on the playground, and he had to learn how to shoot over. And, and boy, I think proper, proper form is, and, and technique is so important. Um, you made a point earlier, too, about I'll, I'll teach things in, in my camp about how to do certain things. And, and, but I tell my players in my camps, if your coach tells you to do something a certain way, we either check out a certain way, I, I teach hit and get. Hit and go get the ball. They want to hold a certain amount of time or they want to get your hands a certain way or they want you to reverse pivot or front pivot. I just want to make contact. But if your coach tells you to do it a certain way, you're playing for him or her. And by golly, you do it here, she says. And I think that's a real important. They go to all these cl clinicians and, and skill guys, and, and skills are one thing, but when you start talking about the game and how somebody teaches or wants it done, if you're playing for them, then you got to do it that way. No, I agree. I agree 100%. <laughs> and at the end of the day, that coach is the one that's giving you the playing time. <laughs> so, exactly. So, so yep. you know, that, that's why, like, a lot of the players that I work with are – programs that I work with, I like to go back to the coach and say, hey, what are, you know, what are your, some of your philosophies so I can get a feel for them before I go back and work with the player. I know that helps me personally with, with my business as well. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time for, for being on the show. Um, thank you for offering up your, your gym. And uh, for all you guys listening, make sure you get after today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. Special thank you to Coach Graffine for spending some time with us today. I hope that you guys benefited from this episode. There's some things that you can take away from it. Uh, as always, a positive rating and review, especially on Apple Podcasts, goes a really long way as we continue to build out the Coach's Edge. And if you're interested in checking out our brand new website, hit me up contact at KramerBasketball.com or at Coach's Edge One. It is a one-stop shop to help you improve your game and save time as a basketball coach.